I've lived in New Jersey my entire life. I've been a fiction writer, actor, playwright, blogger, gourmet chef, home renovator, event planner, landscape architect, and decorator. Now, I'm married to a professional drummer who is also an award-winning photographer, so the arts have always been really important to me. There are so many people in New Jersey that are involved in the arts, and I am planning to talk to all of them. Well, maybe not all of them, but a lot of them. And I'm inviting you to listen in. I'm Lucille Sapio, talking arts and culture, and this is Hazlitt Coffee Talk, not so famous in New Jersey. My guest today is Elise Versella, a very talented writer and poet who has been creating her art since she was in her early 20s, or maybe even earlier. We're going to talk about the books she has out. We're going to also talk about her feeling on the feminist movement. Elise, I'm going to jump right into my questions here. I know this sounds really self-centered and narcissistic, but I find that I usually don't enjoy poetry unless I've written it. <laughs> well, that said, I did enjoy reading your poetry. Thank you. <laughs> How do you think one develops a taste for poetry if they don't already have one? Ooh, I think it stems from not, like, if you're not a very confident person, I found poetry because I was super shy. So the only way I really knew how to express myself and my feelings was to write it out. And I started with, like, writing letters. And then I really think I found poetry probably in school. I think Walt Whitman, this is going to sound so silly but <laughs> in the notebook I remember there was a scene in the movie when Ryan Gosling's character is reading from Leaves of Grass and I just thought wow that's so beautiful and I saw Leaves of Grass the like abridged version in Borders when that was still in existence mm. and my mom was like you should really buy that like Walt Whitman he's good you should buy this so I did and I kind of just started reading all of these poets and I got into Kerouac and the beat poets and Ginsburg's Howell and it just became like this way to speak that I didn't already have so I think if you're not super confident poetry is the way to find that it's how I found my voice so, so Ryan Gosling introduced <laughs> you to poetry <laughs> I would say Ryan Gosling in the notebook and uh, Misha Barton in this old Disney Channel original movie called The Ring of Endless Light and also there was a scene at the end of another Disney Channel original movie <laughs> I'm a child of the 90s. <laughs> the Color of Friendship. At the end, there's a speech that the congressman gives. And I was moved to tears by it. I was like eight years old. I'm like, wow. Mm. Just the power of the spoken word. Now, when you said you wrote letters, did you write letters to yourself? I wrote letters to anyone I couldn't actually speak to face to face. So mm. if I was having an argument with my mother, mm. there was a letter. Yeah. Like, just read this. That's how I can say everything I need to say without crying or mm -hmm. yelling. It's just, here's everything I'm feeling in a nice, clear, yeah. concise letter. So many poets and authors draw on their own childhood experiences to mm. write. So you already told me what it was in your childhood that pushed you toward poetry, but how did you incorporate that into your work? So it started with really angsty poems in like the sixth grade. So just that feeling of not fitting in, being misunderstood, mm -hmm. trying to figure out who you are as a person. So I feel like a lot of my poetry is like self-reflectory. So I'm trying to figure out how I feel. So I write it out in a poem. One of your reviewers talked about you grappling with the mercurial tragedies of youth. Mm. That made me think of when I started writing poetry in my late teens. And not surprisingly, I was in a really tumultuous relationship. 
when I go back and read that poetry, I like it makes me cringe. <laughs> like, how could I be so stupid? Like, that's what I think now. I have to admit, some of your poetry reminds me of that kind of angst that I went through at the time. What reaction do you get when you go back and read poetry that you wrote as a much younger person? Ooh, some of it can be cringy. <laughs> I mean, you go through all of these things and you're like, wow, I really, that was my mistake. But it's like a it's like a diary entry. Honestly, it's like the mile markers of your life. So I, I don't cringe too hard at it because it's now this in the flesh kind of documentation of my life. You know, I don't really keep my journals or diaries. So mm-hmm. but like I have the poems from my past and they're all there in a book. I could just pull it off the shelf and like relive. Like I remember where I was, yes. who I was with, what I was feeling when I wrote those poems. And it's kind of just a nice reflection. You know, the older you get, I think the less you kind of cringe at it. And you're just like, oh, I've come so far. Mm-hmm. I think it's more of I get to see that now. And I just get to tell myself, you know, pat on the back. Like, you you came really far from that. Well, the themes of your poetry tend to be broader than just relationships. Mm-hmm. But the angst over bad or ended relationships is certainly represented in your poetry. Talk about some of the other themes that you focused on and what drew you to them. So lately I feel like it's demolishing the patriarchy. Occasionally I've written some poetry that's more political because I feel like art is political. So how can you not have that reflected in your whatever your medium is? So there are definitely poems that touch on Black Lives Matter, LGBTQ, positivity, empathy. Yeah. I was just watching this morning the first episode of a series about Bill Cosby. Oh, wow. It's all these people that were somehow involved with him at some point in his life. And I forgot about this. Back in the early 60s, in his comedy albums, because he was real, his comedy albums were really popular. He was very funny. But he always had these jokes about Spanish Fly. You know what Spanish Fly is? I do not, but I feel like I'm going to be yeah. very depressed. Well, Spanish Fly was, you know, was supposed to be an aphrodisiac. Mm. And basically, if you put it in a woman's drink, it would make her want to have sex. That's basically it. And he talked about that so much for years and years. I mean, everybody's going, how did we not see this? Like Like putting something in a woman's drink without her knowledge was like his thing. It's like people don't, they didn't pay attention to it. They didn't want to see it. Yeah. Men joked about that kind of stuff all the time, and that was funny because it was, you know, boys will be boys. But, yeah. you know, you gave me a great segue to mm. my next question <laughs> because, like so many of the female artists that I've interviewed, feminism runs through your work. Mm-hmm. Now, you're much younger than me, so you haven't experienced misogyny as deeply as I have. Correct. But I'm guessing it still resonates pretty strongly with you. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Oh, for sure. There's a new book coming out. It is definitely just dealing with misogyny yeah i mean there's one poem in there called toppling the patriarchy (laughs) it's really just so aggravating and really sad because i follow the news and you always hear you know i could run down the list of women who have been murdered sorry my 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 clock (laughs) like oh i don't know what that is (laughs) (laughs) it was my mother's clock she loved birds (laughs) i mean sarah everhard Sabina, Nessa in the UK, and all of the indigenous women who we don't even have oh, right. the names of. There's so of. many women that get murdered that we don't hear about. Exactly. You know, especially if they're not 
if they're white not white. With blonde hair. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which Olivia Gatwood's entire collection, um, Life of the Party, deals with that so eloquently. I can only hope I can do as great of a service as that book has been. Well, let's talk about what some people say about your work. They do talk about your passion. And besides writing, though, are there other things that you're passionate about? I like painting. I'm definitely, I, music and art, just all of it. Literature and old films. I'm passionate about all of that. But when I'm not writing poetry, I'm painting. I was going to ask you, what would you be doing if you weren't writing? So I guess maybe painting. <laughs> definitely painting. I do remember being a small child and telling my grandpa, I'm going to be a painter one day. You know, like Bob Ross. But you don't just write poetry, right? Do you write things besides poetry? Some essays. I've not finished any novels. Maybe one or two short stories mm -hmm. that haven't seen the light of day. <laughs> Mostly poetry, though. But you perform your poetry, too. Yes, I do. And that is a high that I'm just so grateful I got to experience. Yeah. And hearing poetry, I think, is a whole different experience for people. Mm -hmm. When did you start performing your poetry? I think it was 2013 or 2014. I think Chris Rockwell can give the exact date because I owe him for like my first performance. Do you consider yourself a performance artist? Not necessarily, but I guess I am. <laughs> I, you know, people say like, there are people who are spoken word poets. Yes. And I don't think I like hold a candle flame to them. Yeah. Like, no, they're really performers. I enjoy it, but I prefer to kind of be like, yeah. no, just read it, please. Yeah. <laughs> Here you go. <laughs> it's fun, but sometimes it's still nerve wracking. Yeah. What is it about our society that angers you the most? The fear the I think that's what's angering me the most right now. I mean, if you don't think about the money and lack thereof for like a woman, it's just the fear. Like I can't just walk to my car. Mm. I have to like, like, where am I parking? Who am I going with? What time is it? Is it getting dark? Like I can't just take the subway. I have to pay extra money for a cab. Always constantly looking over my shoulder, just walking down my street. You know, I, I don't really have the earbuds in. People are jogging with headphones and I'm just like, you're crazy. But I yeah. don't know who's going to come up behind me. The yeah. leaves rustle or the acorn drops and I flinch like I find myself flinching. So most of my poetry is writing through that fear. Right. That I, that's the thing that really frustrates me. In the old days, poetry always rhymed. I've noticed that there are some very subtle rhymes within your poetry. So how often do you consciously think about rhyming when you're writing your poetry? I don't consciously think of it at all. In fact, I feel like a lot of times I write subconsciously, like something else has come through me to write this poem. Like I, there are times where I'm not thinking about it. Unless recently I've started to try and write in specific forms. Mm. But if I'm just free writing something, I'm not really thinking about I got to rhyme this. Yeah. So what process do you use when you're writing? Usually I'm very upset and I have to like get it. I have to release it from my body somehow, some healthy way. <laughs> so I write a poem about it. If I'm not upset about something, I'm usually not writing. It's very, I just. So you don't want to be too happy. <laughs> yeah, I know. I keep thinking about the Florence and the Machine song on her last album where she said it's really hard to write about being happy. I'm like, yeah, I feel ya. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's hard. The process sometimes is just I'll turn on an album, I'll listen to it, and then just start 
writing and things just kind of start to form. I have a poetry group that I'm part of and we get a prompt every month. So prompted poems are really helpful. I write short stories. I was really good friends with one of my high school English teachers. I used to say to him, would you give me an assignment? He goes, no, I'm not doing that. I go, please, I I need an assignment so I can write a story. Man, our English teachers are, they should be... On a pedestal. On a pedestal. They're like gods and goddesses. I owe a lot to my English teachers, basically for putting me on this trajectory. Yeah. How did that happen? So I remember junior year of high school, Mr. Germain was my teacher, uh, Lacey Township High School. Mm -hmm. If he's out there listening, Mr. Germain is like the person who got me started because he sent me like all these things for like freelance or self-publishing, which is the first three books were self-published. And he was just, they were just huge proponents of my work. I remember going back once the first book was published and all of my English teachers like, no, I want a hardcover. Let me have that. Mm. (laughs) It's just a really nice feeling. Yeah. You say you belong to a poetry group. So does everybody share and critique each other's poetry? Yes. Yep. Tell me a little bit about that whole process for you. So critique, I feel when it's in a safe space, like this poetry group, it's like a little family. So everyone's just trying to help make the poem better. And so when you're in a spot where you know everyone's just trying to get you at your best, when, you know, you receive a critique, I take down the note and I'm like, okay, let me go back to that. You have to understand what your like pitfalls are. Like I'm not great with tenses and grammar Mm. and sometimes I pick the wrong word. So it's nice to have someone kind of just like edit. Quick question. Honest. How often do you use a thesaurus? Oh my God, all the time. (laughs) The little word processor, like the synonyms. I'm like, "Mm, I gotta find a better word. Especially because I had When Wolves Become Birds was edited um, by Francesca Leo Block. In its first like draft, she's like, you use a couple of the same like words like over and over again. Mm. So try and pick like a different word. (laughs) You have to learn how to give critique and then learn to how to accept critique. Yeah. So you have four books. Do each of them have a theme? I would say the first three were kind of just a mishmash. Like Mm -hmm. we tried to put everything together in different sections. Um, This last one, the theme is definitely self-reclamation. You know, you start trapped in a body and feeling like you don't belong and who am I? And at the end, there's this arcing theme of like, nope. I am strong, Mm -hmm. I am woman, these are my wings, and I'm going to soar. You said that your first books were self-published. Yes. That used to have a negative connotation, but nowadays it's much more accepted. Yeah. How did you promote them? It was so hard to promote them. Mm -hmm. I did not promote them well. Facebook, Instagram is such a free, easy marketing tool. I Mm -hmm. mean, I know... Social media can be so detrimental mental health wise for lots of things. But for a marketing tool, it's like the fastest, easiest, cheapest thing. Mm -hmm. Do you ever do like a book tour? Have yet to do a book tour. I try to hit as many open mics and features as possible. I've done a few podcasts, Mm -hmm. um, few events in like Asbury Park area. It's so nice when you see, like, the crowd show up. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, they enjoy this. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) My next question about publishers, Mm -hmm. because you you, you self-published, but then you did get your own 
like say real publisher how did you wrangle that publisher and did it make a big difference in the sale of your books I think so. I think so 100%. Just also just to have someone behind you lifting up the marketing aspect of it and just insight into different places to submit the book for like awards and just to get more readers. And I really love small indie presses. I think for poetry, that's really important because you have a relationship with your publisher. They like know you. And I feel like my publisher knows me. We have like a relationship. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's not just like a business thing. I mean, it's a business, but you know, it's like, oh, she's like my friend. (laughs) She's a one woman show. Yeah. She does this all by herself. This is her publishing house. Like she's the one doing everything. So how did you find her? So it was a really funny story. (laughs) My best friend's mother had told me to submit to this online journal, Rebel Society. Catherine Schweig, love her dearly, reached out to me. She's like, oh, you should write a couple pieces for like my uh, journal, Women's Spiritual Poetry. So I did. She accepted me. And then she put together some anthologies with Mm. Golden Dragonfly Press, which turns out to be my press. Ah. It was so nice because when I submitted Wolves... The manuscript to Golden Dragonfly. I got the email back from Alice and she said, I've been following your work for a while now. Wow. I'm so happy you submitted a manuscript to me. That's great. You've been following my work. What? (laughs) I didn't think (laughs) anybody did. Oh my God. So it was just a really joyful experience and it felt like a sisterhood Mm -hmm. that Catherine had reached out from Rebel Society that we were part of this huge, these anthologies, so many women are part of the books. There's like three of them now, four of them now. Mm. Divine feminine energy. And I loved it. Yeah. Well, where can people buy your books? They can buy it. I mean, I know we all hate Amazon, but let's be honest. <laughs> I am still getting a cut of that, so yeah. it's nice. Yes. Um, you could buy it directly from Golden Dragonfly Press. You could buy it through me personally. Like, you could reach out to me via my Instagram, Facebook. Um, my website is elisepursella.com, and that'll have all the links to it. Mm-hmm. I will sign the copy and mail it to you. Sign copy, and, everybody. <laughs> you know, your local bookstore which small business supporters here, like you could go to your local bookstore and ask for it. They will have it for you. Looking at the books that you have put out, it seems, and maybe I missed something, but it seems like there was a period when you weren't putting out any poetry. Yeah. Can you talk about that time? Were you too happy? (laughs) (laughs) So it's funny because the period of time between a few wild stanzas and when wolves become birds... I was working on When Wolves Become Birds and it existed in like different iterations. It went through a lot of editing and I was just shopping it to so many different like contests to try and win Mm -hmm. publication and just different, you know, query letters, query letters for days Mm -hmm. just to try and find a spot for it. The period of time I wasn't not writing poetry. I was just very focused on getting this particular book in the right hands. (laughs) You mentioned LGBTQ issues before. Have any of your poems specifically addressed that? One recently that's not in any of the books yet. I just really hate the idea that a a whole society can tell someone the way you live is not okay. Mm. Sorry. That's all right. You're allowed to get choked up. 
Oh, I didn't expect to get choked up about that. Um, yeah. yeah, but like what's going on in Florida and Texas? <sighs> just like, aren't we tired now of telling people that they can't live and love the way they want to? Yeah. Or they can't be who they feel they are? That they don't deserve to be. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you, yeah. you think that think things have changed a lot. I mean, they've certainly changed a lot, but... Yeah, I hate the idea that anybody would have to hide who they are in 2022. Mm -hmm. I just hate that. Where do you think you'll be in 20 years? I'm sure you're still going to be writing poetry. Do you think you'll be able to make a living at writing poetry? Or better, where would you like to be Mm -hmm. in 20 years? Ooh, in 20 years? When you're really... Old. When I'm really old and middle-aged. <laughs> I'm trying to do that math. How old will I be You'll in 20 be years? 52. Be like 52. <laughs> Let's hope I have my own like bohemian abode to reside in. The goal, yeah, is to definitely make a living writing. And I don't know, I think the older, the older I'm getting, I feel mortality like heavy on my shoulders I'm like I'm still a little bit young to be thinking so hard about that (laughs) but everything is so fleeting and short and I kind of don't want to worry too hard about where I'm going to be in 20 years I think I just want to keep absorbing the art the the film the music the Mm. culture just connecting with people via art. I just want to be soaking it all up. And I hope that there's just more to soak up and do in 20 years. Well, that's a great final word. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. I love the arts and I love to talk. And that's why I'm talking to local artists. And if you like listening, then subscribe to my podcast. You can do it on this page, on iTunes, or anywhere you get podcasts. I'm Lucille Sapio. And this is Hazlitt Coffee Talk, not so famous in New Jersey.